Welcome to Spine and Body Podcast. This podcast's stated goals are to change how the world treats musculoskeletal pain, to create experts in the treatment of neck, back, and shoulder pain, and to advance the world's understanding of this pain, to inspire researchers, thinkers, and innovators, to empower patients and embolden caretakers. Follow us on this journey and let's learn and grow together. This podcast is brought to you by the Body Guitar Clinic because your body is a finely tuned instrument. Like all finely tuned instruments, it must be properly cared for in order to play the beautiful music it was intended to play. Care for your body and use it correctly and it will play music that is unique to you. Your life song. This is Sean Wheeler, MD, and let's get your body in tune. Okay, welcome back. Uh, today's episode I, I really like. It is a um, it is an interview with Dr. Jim Lemons, and he is a, a mental health professional. He's a psychologist who essentially started the program at uh, Mayo Clinic uh, 50 years ago. You'll hear it's it's a wonderful story, uh, and I would and I I'm going to kind of leave that for him to tell. Uh, I will say that if I were to describe uh, Jim Lemons to to the listener as you listen to his voice, it, it it's a lot like Imagine if Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society, uh, if his character lived into his 70s, and that's what he'd look like. You know, it, it just just that that youthful exuberance in somebody who's in their 70s, that twinkle in their eye, as someone who just seems to really enjoy life. It's a little bit of a long episode. He's a he's a slow talker, but you know what? I think that's from being a uh, from being a professional for 50 years, where he's talking to people and. And really dealing with their stress, and I, I feel less stress talking to him. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this and uh, leave comments. And and hopefully, and what I and what I set this program up for was to uh, be a resource for patients. And you'll hear us talk about that. But this is wonderful for a lot of people who are, you know, dealing with pain in their everyday life. So enjoy. This week we are joined by Dr. Jim Lemons. I always put an S on the end of your name. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, good. So it's Dr. Jim Lemons, and uh, he has been someone that we have worked with for a long time on people who uh, struggle with pain long term. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, tell us, tell us what you do first. Sure. Um, I have a program for people that have chronic pain, and that I'm a psychologist by training. And many years ago, as a psychologist at the Mayo Clinic, uh, we started a pain management program based on a behavioral health model. So I really like that work, and I've stayed with that work for a long time. I say that just to really hope give validity to it works, or I wouldn't be doing the same thing for a long time. Right. So uh, we have a behavioral chronic pain management program, and... Uh, we're here to help the people with chronic pain by really complementing what the medical model does. What, what you guys do is vital. It's crucial. It's important, necessary, but sometimes not sufficient. Right. And, you know, really what I want to accomplish today is I think that what you do is vital. And I think that this, this, this behavioral health that we see will send people to you guys or people around the country or world will send people to behavioral health. And the patient thinks to themselves, they think I'm crazy, right? Exactly. And what we want to do is I would love to kind of use today to create this 
podcast that someone could say, go and listen to this, right? And and sure, I mean, we'd love for people to come see you also. And and I think that you're going to have an opportunity to describe that what, what you do is different because I do think what you do is different. But I also want people to listen to this and say, I'm not scared to go talk to the behavioral health person now. Nobody thinks I'm crazy. What they do think is that there is that is that chronic pain is hard. And I mean, it's hard on the psyche. It's hard on the family. It's hard on everything. And that's really what I want you to be able to talk about today and, and look at this kind of as a, a resource for people everywhere, but then also for our patients. Sure. And, and again, thanks for the opportunity of talking with you about this, because I think that what we do is often the missing piece. One of the major things that we do is to try to clarify exactly what you said, because when people refer to our program and they find out that I'm a psychologist, they immediately jump to the wrong conclusion, which is, oh, so you think it's all in my head. As a good referral source, which you have always been, you do pretty good at saying, no, no, it's not in your head. It's in your back or it's in your foot or wherever their chronic pain is. But there's some other techniques or there's some other tools that can help me help you better. So I'm not dropping you. I'm not kicking you under the bus. And he's a psychologist. But he does a different kind of psychology. The psychology really is to help you deal with medical problems. And I started this really working with heart conditions. Interesting. As a young psychologist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, I'd only been there several months. And the cardiology department came to the psychology section one day and asked if any of us would volunteer to help him. And I did. And was curious because I'm just a psychologist. You know, you're the cardiologist. You save people's lives. And they said, yes, we do. So I don't get it. Too many of them end up coming back with the same disease. Hmm. So we're starting to think that maybe it has something to do with the type of person we're working with. You're a psychologist. Do you know about people? Yeah, I know about people, but I don't think that has anything to do with their health. Now, that's 50 years ago. Right. So the cardiologists were really the ones that were starting to say, okay, we can help you with your valve. We can bypass clogged up vessels. But too many come back. Right. So maybe it's this person. I was clueless. My graduate training program wasn't in it. We didn't know anything about health. Now you can get whole PhD programs on health psychology. Right. But back then. But but investigating, I started, I came across a book called The Relaxation Response, Mm -hmm. written by a cardiologist, Dr. Herbert Benson, who was Harvard. And so I read the book and it started to open up my eyes and my mind that, oh, Because as a cardiologist, he had learned early in his practice that no matter what he did as the physician, if these people were still so stressed out, that seemed to be part of what was causing reoccurrence of health problems. So, you know, we hear all the time where people will have have cardiac surgery and it's so invasive Mm -hmm. that they feel depression rates are high, but that's not what they're asking you to do. They were saying, "This this is a lifestyle. It's more than just depression. Uh, uh, yes. Hmm. Well, they didn't even know what they were asking at the time, but 
But to their credit, they were open-minded enough to say, we're missing something. We don't even know what it is. Well, as I started to discover through the relaxation response, and then that led me to Dr. Selye's work on stress. And Dr. Selye was the one who really identified that stress is a whole host of physical, biochemical, cellular changes that take place in the body mm-hmm. that help the body get ready for what's called the fight or flight response. And it's, a, it's an adaptive thing. It's, it's an important good thing. It helps us survive. But in the modern world, we're under stress almost constantly. So we get stuck in this almost constant state of arousal, Mm -hmm. which is increased heart rate, blood pressure goes up, respiratory rate increases, catecholamines go up, adrenaline goes up, cholesterol goes up, blood sugars go up. Mm -hmm. There's an actual alteration in blood flow when we're under stress. So when I started to learn that, oh... There are some things here that relate to heart disease. Blood pressure goes up, cholesterol goes up, heart rate goes up. Mm. So if we do bypass surgery, problem fixed. But if they're stuck in the stress cycle, which is what many of us are in the modern world, sure. then heart rate, blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugars, Sure. Going to be high. And even more now. I mean, you know, and I think I've mentioned this before, but we, you know, we give steroid shots. Yeah. And when you give a steroid shot, it's a, it suppresses the adrenal gland, which also makes steroids. So in the past 20 years, there's been about three people we give a steroid shot and their adrenal gland poops out. In the last year and a half, there's been eight people. Wow. And it's just because people's cortisol levels are so high. And, you know, we, we see this all the time. Cortisol level goes high. Insulin goes high. Uh, it doesn't matter what the weight program you're on. You're, you're going to have a hard time losing, losing weight when you're – weight alone. I mean, mm-hmm. all the other things you're talking about. But you can't lose weight when, you're, when your stress levels are high. You're going to have a hard time managing your weight, your blood pressure. You're going to have a hard time managing circulatory conditions respiratory conditions. So stress became sort of my primary challenge. And that's where part of what we teach is that stress is this stress within the body. Mm -hmm. Because most people think stress is the stressor. Traffic is the stressor. But the stress is the response our body goes into in heavy traffic. Okay. Heart rate, blood pressure, adrenaline, blood sugars, insulin, cholesterol, catecholamines, and the hands tighten up on the steering wheel. Blood flow decreases to the extremities and to the gut whenever we're experiencing stress. So after I created a stress symptom cycle, four key words. Symptoms, any symptoms, but we're going to focus on the symptoms of pain. But when I started to develop this model, we were focusing on the symptoms of cardiovascular disease. Symptoms, pain, cause stress, which is the body's physical biochemical responses that we've discussed. Stress then completes the cycle because stress affects your pain doesn't cause your pain. So no, it's not in your head. And I'm probably the one that's going to be able to help you get that straight. 
Right. Stress affects your pain, and then your pain causes the stress. It's a circle. And if we don't learn how to work with both, the symptoms of pain, and this is where the medical model is really important, but if you just work with the symptoms of pain and, the, and traffic stresses them out, they're going to have a harder time with their pain or their cardiovascular disease or their ulcer or their hypertension. So stress is the body's response to the stressor. Pain is a stressor causing the stress response. And it turns into a vicious circle pretty quickly, and that's a snowball going downhill. So a lot of the behavioral component to help people with chronic pain is stress management training. Learning how to break that cycle. Learning how to, you can't break the cycle. You can manage the cycle. And this is another, and it's a cognitive thing, but it's, again, not in their head, but we teach that you, you can't stop the pain, which is what they want. But if it's chronic pain, it doesn't stop. But the stress is actually like pouring gas on that pain fire. And a lot of medical problems are inflammatory or there becomes an inflammatory component. And if we think of stress as pouring gas on that inflammatory process, the flame's not going out. Uh, and then if you get another gust of stress, family problems, financial problems, COVID, the sure. world today, right? Afghanistan, oh my God, our bodies are in a higher and higher level of stress. So more and more of that gas is getting poured on all health problems, but yes. that includes pain. And if we don't, your words is what, what most people think. Well, we got to stop that. Ooh, we've set up failure because we can't stop it, but we can learn to manage it. Mm -hmm. So we teach a set of tools that help you manage your body's stress response so that you give it a better chance of recovery, better chance of healing, and then a better chance of not having flare-ups, not having reoccurrence. So do people call, I mean, there's, you know, I've heard uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Is that what you guys call it also, or do you, or is this a different name? Well, what we do is would fit under the heading of cognitive behavioral therapy. And this may be sort of still a Midwestern thing because we're fairly conservative. And so when we say cognitive behavioral therapy, aha, it's psychological. <laughs> But they can look it up yeah. and, and studies show that cognitive behavioral therapy has been as effective as yeah. any other treatment. Yes, but it's by these junior shrinks now. Mm -hmm. so, so we don't really say we're going to do cognitive behavioral therapy. We say we're going to do a lot of stress management training because stress is a really big player in this past distress pain cycle. And I found that I can, that when I bring that up and, and I know that you're going to talk about depression and anxiety also, but I'll bring up either stress, depression, or anxiety. And people are like, yes, I have that. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't they? I mean, their life has been affected, uh, been detrimentally affected by the, the pain that they have. Absolutely. I've worked with heart disease. That's where I started this. 
Then we saw that it was helpful for the patients with heart disease. And then the respiratory therapy department said, whoa, we heard what you're doing. Wouldn't this help our people with COPD, chronic obstructive obstructive pulmonary disease? Well, I didn't know, but I listened and yes, and it does. And then the, the diabetic clinic heard, would this help our diabetics? I don't know, but I listened to them. So you said this was 50 years ago. So you, yeah. were, so you were seven years old at this point. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're very kind. Uh, no, I wasn't quite seven. but uh, and, and I'm, as my sons would say, I'm an old man, older than dirt. And they're close. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm young at heart. Good. My mind still works good. And I'm very passionate about helping people with health problems. And what I've focused on pretty much in the last 30 years is pain, chronic pain. So how'd you get to that point? At the clinic, uh, about the time I was doing this over with the cardiology department and then some of the other medical departments, the clinic had heard about uh, a chronic pain management program developed by Dr. William Fordyce, who was a psychologist, but was out in Washington. So they sent some people out there to see it, and it looked right. So the clinic decided we should start a program for people that have chronic pain. And I was interested. So uh, I volunteered to get on that team, and I did. And very quickly, I realized that stress is affecting pain just like it's affecting heart disease and hypertension. So I, it, we added the pain, the pain stress cycle into our behavioral pain program. And I really liked that work. And I just found I was spending more and more time there. And then when we came sort of back home, and we came back to the central Midwest, uh, and a friend of mine and a colleague from Mayo's, he came into the Kansas City area about the same time. Uh, we decided, hey, let's start this program here. So we started a behavioral pain management program years ago over at Research Medical Center. What's different with pain versus something like, you know, somebody with, let's say, for example, cardiac disease? You know, what is it that that is so amplifying with the with the not just i mean it seems like people with cardiac disease come into it with stress and that's part of the something part of the thing that perpetuates it but with pain it feels like people will get pain and then it it's it is it's like you know throwing gas on the fire even more so than any of these other Ill- illnesses yes and and that's kind of where i was headed earlier sure of working with a lot of different medical problems chronic pain is the toughest and a lot of people then think i am crazy you know Because, no, it can't be tougher than heart disease. Yes, it is. It can't be tougher than a brain tumor. Yes, it is. It can't be tougher than COPD. Yes, it is. Because pain truly is a game changer. Now, heart disease changes their game somewhat, too. But pain, and and this goes back to neurology. In the brainstem, at birth, hardwired, pre-programmed, the brain knows what to do with acute pain. 
Because if that newborn baby that doesn't have any cerebral cortex filled in at all yet, it's empty. That's the learned brain. But the trained brain, it's wired, ready to go. So that little boy or baby, girl boy, hasn't learned anything. But if their foot hits a hot burner, it will automatically pull away. Because pain is the body's warning signal of harm. Brainstem. So when people, and, and initially that saves them from burning their foot off. So it's, that's why it's hardwired. So here we are now, we're an ad, young adult or middle-aged old adult. And if something hurts, your brainstem says, stop it. So if walking hurts, people start stopping walking. Then they get deconditioned and then it, it's the spiral going downhill. So some of it is that for chronic pain, we have to teach people that your brainstem is telling you, if it hurts, don't. But that leads to where usually they are when we see them. Very deconditioned because they become less active because activity hurts. Moving hurts. Severe cases of this actually can almost develop a phobic reaction to movement. So they almost become locked up because pain is causing the stress response, which is contracting muscle fibers because of the increased adrenaline. And, and people get so stiff. So then when a stiff person starts to move, that's just like if I've been in my car for an hour and get out. Ugh. So pain is tougher to deal with because of stress, but also because the brainstem saying, if it hurts, stop. So we tell people, we're going to not, we can't change your brainstem, but we can change what's going on in your cerebral cortex. We have to teach you that for chronic pain, you have to challenge that, but also respect it. For, chronic, for acute pain, respect it. Stop moving. And if you sprain your ankle, don't walk on it for a while. Mm -hmm. But if that ankle stays in pain because you've got entrapment syndrome or you've got a neural pathway that's messed up, you can't let them just stop moving or then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. So we have to teach them up there in their mind. But it's teaching. It's not psychotherapy. Isn't cognitive behavioral? It, it is because we're saying we're going to work with your cognitions, your thoughts. So with your, with your chronic pain, we're going to teach you how to challenge that. But don't overdo it or that'll set you back. So gradually, we're going to help you learn to move. You hurt, but it's not damage. There's a difference between hurt and harm. So what is it like when you when you first start seeing someone and they and they have these fear responses built in and you start challenging challenging them to move you know um any practitioner is going to have heard of you know cognitive behavioral therapy is how you how you talk to yourself or or the words that you tell tell yourself tell me how that is when you first start and is and is that the is that the basis of it or is that or is that just the the, the tip of the iceberg Initially, I think it's the tip of the iceberg, but it's where we start. We, we have to start where they are. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid to move. 
And we know we have to help them rethink that, that I understand you're afraid to move because it hurts. And neurologically, your brainstem is telling you then stop moving. So we're going to help you start moving, but we're going to do it very gently and we're going to do it very slowly and, and help you learn to think that, yes, because I have chronic pain, it just is hurt. It's not harm. So, yes, you hurt, but we have to challenge hurt or we would give up. So we start with that. And, and, it, and it's, it's actually, we say, we use the word reframing a lot in our program. We've got to get your thoughts. We've got to change the framework. And, and some of it is thoughts because the brainstem says stop. So they get into the bad habit of decreased activity, lower level functioning, deconditioning. And then you know that cycle, that spiral. So it gets worse and worse and worse. And if we just keep addressing the symptoms from the medical model approach, it's like, okay, well, then we have to do more procedures or we have to use more medication. And for chronic pain, it's like, be careful, because more medication can go the wrong way too. Um, Because most of the medications for pain at some point are probably going to start involving narcotic. And then we all know now because of that. Sure. Yeah. And we, you know, we plan on having a podcast about that because there's so many people that we see that have two problems. One is the neuromuscular problem. And then is the well-meaning practitioner who started them on medication, which now no longer works, but they can't get off. So, you know, in our practice, we don't, we don't do narcotics, but we respect the fact that people you know, need to be on it. It's just, I think it needs to be in the hands of a professional, but then you have to work your way through all of that. Right. I mean, here they yeah. are with deconditioned here. They are with, with hypersensitivity, right? Yes. So this neuromodulation where their brain says, I still got to protect you even in the face of these medications. Mm-hmm. I mean, pain is, pain is a protective, a protective mechanism. Acute pain. And you, and you cover it up with a, with a medication the brain's still going to protect you. It's still going to figure out a way to protect you. So you're doubly or triply in the hole trying to help, you know, this this thought process, correct? Yes. The brain is is an amazing organ. It's an amazing system. And uh, part of what or how I try to teach it in our program is that we, we need to reframe it, that your brain is this amazing computer. And how we think affects the body at a, at a true cellular, biological, biochemical level. So if, and, and, and I borrow a quote from Henry Ford. He is known to have said, if you think you can, or if you think you can't. Either way, you're right. Right. Correct. But we unpack that. We, we just don't leave it as a quote from some old guy. Mm-hmm. If you think you can and you practice, prepare to learn how to use good tools, and a lot of them are the cerebral cortex. If you think you can't read, you probably won't ever learn to read. But the little kindergarten... His, his little brain is still innocent and wonderful. 
He hasn't been adulterated yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean that. Sure. In a, so he thinks he can. And the teacher says, yes, you can. And look, and, all your other classmates can. And they all do it. And, right. And that's another important part of our program. We work with a class. We don't do it one to one at a time. We wouldn't be as effective. Yeah, you think that's possible? You think that other people, and you have people come back and talk who have come, who yeah. have gotten through and, and made it. Sure. And it's not, and it's not just self promotion. It's changing a mindset of somebody who thinks that they can't. Yes. Because the people, by the time we get, to, the last time we looked at our data, by the time we see somebody the first time, they've been in pain 5.7 years. It's a long time. Long time. They're very deconditioned. Up until the opioid crisis, they were all over-medicated. They were depressed. They were scared to death. And, and they're drowning in guilt. They have terrible posture, poor body mechanics. That's what we start with. It's, that's the tip of the iceberg, but we know we got to get all the way through a lot of stuff. Do you find that they're they're so frightened because the only thing that's ever worked for them, which probably doesn't work anymore, is their medication? Bingo. And then and then they're scared to death that you're gonna you or I is gonna are gonna take it away from them. Yes. And they're gonna have nothing that works. How do you address that? You stole my story. Oh. <laughs> we, we, we we address it by saying this is gonna be really scary. Yeah. And once in a while, we do. We'll have a graduate come back to to share as as hopefulness. Yeah, I went through this program, and when I started, I thought it was crazy, but I stayed with it, and I'm grateful I stayed with it. We we had a person graduate a number of years ago, and did you catch that? People graduate from That's our good. program. That's good. <laughs> We don't discharge them. It's not like braces where you just keep adjusting no, them for no, 20 years. No. <laughs> they don't, just no. kidding. Any dentists out there? <laughs> no. But they, they come and we, we tell them, I, I'm not going to work with you as a patient. And I don't want you to look at me as a doctor or a psychologist. I want you to look at me as a coach. And, and, and I'm, you're, you're an athlete. You're out of shape. And you don't know how to do certain techniques because you haven't had spring training. So think about this as coming to school or coming to spring training. And I'm going to be as good a coach as I can be for you. And so is it my staff. And, and we're going to have to teach you some new techniques. And it takes a lot of practice. And we're going to teach you to think about things differently. Not because this pain is in your head, but it's affected your head. Because it's taking you from I think I can to I can't. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're a couch potato. You're in that fog from chemicals, medicine. So there's a different way, but it's so unusual that everybody's leery. And I know that. So, But just you know, hang in there. Work with me. Work with us. And we, we start teaching. We start coaching. And we do it gradually. And a part of our program is also physical therapy. But it isn't the traditional physical therapy. It's more body mechanics, energy conservation, 
uh, our therapists do some work with yoga, some Pilates, which is very conducive to breathing rhythm work. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of breathing rhythm work with the people. My two hours a day with them are stress management training is one hour. The other hour is helping them work through all of the negative emotions that chronic pain causes. And there's four of them. Everybody who's in chronic pain is sad, mad, scared, and guilt. And they say, no, 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 no. I'm not. Okay. Just stay, hang in there. We're going to teach you. Right. Some people don't recognize they're sad, but they would recognize they're bummed out. Okay. We just got to learn to communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, so we work a lot with the class and I know, I know football's in your background. Mm -hmm. So you remember the two a days? Oh yeah. Uh, me too. <laughs> and I also went through basic training in the military. Oh, nice. What's, uh, what branch of the military? Air force. Thank you for your service. Uh, you're welcome. I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. I'm a proud veteran. Good. But basic training or the two a days. If they did that individually, there wouldn't be an army. Because mm -hmm. about the second day of that craziness, and what did your body feel like the second or third day of two-a-days? Yeah, beat down. Can't move. Right. And if it was just you, you wouldn't go back. Right. But you went back because of what? Camaraderie. The team. Yeah, you got to be there for your fellow person. That's right. And even some of it is... Uh, if Sean can still do it, damn it, I'm not going to give up. So, so it's that internal type A stuff, which is good stuff. Mm -hmm. But we, we use that, that. So we work with the team. We work with a group. And when they get to the completion of spring training, they graduate. Did you catch that? Yet? Yeah. Okay. Good. I like that. <laughs> and the, we're not done. And graduation is actually celebrated from high school with commencement. So when people graduate, we actually have a little ceremony. And we celebrate their graduation and say, and commencement really means this is really the first day for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So don't learn all this and get discharged. Because mm -hmm. then people say, okay, done. And he's done with me because he told me. Discharge. So, and that's cognitive and it affects behavior. Mm -hmm. So the mind-body connection, we do talk openly about your mind and your body are very connected. And that's real. That's not psychobabble. That's not Star Trek. That's just how our body and our mind are made. So we work a lot with their mind to help their body. And they're still going to have chronic pain because we don't have a fix. We don't cure them either. But as a graduate years ago said, when I came to this program, pain was in the driver's seat of my life. I was locked up in the trunk. Hmm. I wasn't even trying to get out anymore. And I was really hoping it would all end soon. He had suicidal plan. Mm -hmm. And I came here. And at first I thought, I mean, I think I made a mistake. I can't get up every day and come in there. But 
the other people seem to be doing it. And uh, so if they can do it, and he, he did, he stayed with it, and our, our spring training is six weeks long. And when he graduated, he said, I'm back in the driver's seat of my life. Pain's still in the car, but I know where we're going, and I'm pretty happy about that. Very good. Yeah. You and I have talked before about, uh, and I remember this this quote from you that was really impactful for me and for my patients, is that you said that a person may have eight out of 10 pain, but their pain may only be four out of 10. Two of that may be anxiety, and two of it may be depression. And part of the problem is, is that people are trying to treat the anxiety and depression with medication and shots and, and the like, and they're never getting there. Can you talk about that for a minute? Sure. The medical model, you know, MD, you have a doctoral degree in medicine. So if I come to you with my symptom, your training is to, okay, what medicine? And that's appropriate. It's a beautiful model for acute care. Comes up short for chronic health problems. Now, medicine is a crucial part of most chronic health problems. Diabetics have to have insulin. But if you just give insulin to the diabetic and says that's all you need, that's going to be a brittle diabetic. But if you say you need this insulin, but in addition to that, you really need to manage your stress because that's pushing your blood sugars up. Sure. So we teach that to treat anxiety, depression, and those are two of those four negative feelings that come mm -hmm. with the territory of pain and heart disease, all medical problems. But if you treat anxiety and depression just with medicine, it may be necessary. It's not sufficient. We have to help them work through those feelings instead of just masking the symptoms. And a lot of the psychotropic drugs, I don't think really help people work through their depression but it covers it up. So they kind of have this altered state. Mm -hmm. So we say, we're not, you don't have to stop taking your antidepressants, but we got some other things that are going to help you with this depression even more. Same is true with anxiety. So the medical model is terrific for acute care. And I, I don't want sure. physicians to get mad at me but it's not as good for chronic health care. So then that's where some of the behavioral health techniques become really um, important. Do you, think it, do you think it empowers patients when they know, hey, I, can, I personally can decipher out when I feel depressed and my pain is increased or when I feel anxious and my pain is increased. And that, and that, and that provides just another tool in their toolbox? Absolutely. And we use that same phrase, toolbox. Mm -hmm. The medical model, MDs, doctoral degree in medicine, that's your tool. It's your training. So we'll call that a hammer. And there's an old saying here. If the only tool that you have to use and know how to use is a hammer, you have to treat everything as if it's a nail. Well, and everything looks like a nail. Everything looks like a <laughs> nail. You got it. If you keep hammering chronic pain with medicine, you can 
But acute pain is like a nail. The hammer's perfect. Discharged. Mm-hmm. Fixed. Right. But if the pain persists and becomes chronic, that nail has turned into a screw. The medical model typically just has a hammer. Procedures, maybe. But, but how many procedures can you do? Right. Pills. Yeah, you can, you can hammer a screw into a board. But if you tip the board over, it falls out. Well, or, or it makes more damage to the board. And it splits. That's right. And some of the early signs, constipation, narcotics, mm-hmm. uh, that altered state from tranquilizers, sure. antidepressants. That's right. So we say you got to have more than a hammer in your toolkit. So we teach them you got to have a screwdriver, you got to have a pair of pliers, you got to have some duct tape. Everybody's got to have duct tape. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Saws <But>, all. <laughs> so get some get some power tools in there, Jim. But it and it's very empowering. So you know, back to that word. Yeah, it's very empowering to start to think and believe. I can with pain. Mm -hmm. Now, can I do everything I want to do? No. And then this is, again, part of the complexity of it. Sometimes people are more likely to get into chronic pain because of the type of person we are. Those of us that are type A. You familiar with the type? Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I've met that. I've met those people. Yeah, you know one. <laughs> you know one pretty well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Me too. My yeah. best friend. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so those of us that, and it's genetics. Mm-hmm. So we can't change it. But those of us that have the, and do you know who? Do you know who really identified type A? Hmm. Cardiology. Wasn't psychology. Cardiologists were the ones that said, remember, Mayos, we think it might have something to do with the type of people. They all seem to be kind of alike. And through some real research, cardiology determined there's a type A. And then they wrote a book about it, Type A Behavior and Your Heart. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just like the Chicken Soup for the Souls books. Yeah, there's a type A behavior in your pain. There's type A behavior in your hypertension, type A behavior in your ulcer, type A behavior, you know, because we are fast paced, we're perfectionistic, we're competitive, good stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you don't learn how to moderate that, you're going to work yourself to death. And pain is the warning signal. But we put a Band-Aid over it. That's right. And just let them go. <laughs> right. And we say, oh, yeah, we, we helped your area that hurts. Yeah. Everything will be fine now. What? You've hurt for this long of a time and you've compensated and you've become, you know, uh, become you know, more of a couch potato than you were before. We fixed it all with this shot or with this pill. And there's just so much more to it. So much more to it. So how would somebody – so um, – so – for example, let's say uh, somebody wants to, you know, find out more about what you do. Uh, you have your own center now at this point. Yeah. 
So talk about that a little bit. And you know, I get worried because you are getting older <laughs> and you know, you need a, you need a partner. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you interested? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah, we, we have our center for, we actually changed our name fairly recently because for many years we called our center behavioral pain management, but that word behavioral click in your head. Mm -hmm. So we now call our center comprehensive pain rehabilitation program. Okay. That sounds pretty medical. Mm -hmm. So they're not quite as immediately. And then we do our evaluation in our program for the people who need it. And they're the people who are typically still over-medicated, deconditioned, out of shape, out of balance, Muscular skeletal system is way off. So physical therapy, two hours a day, which is helping them with those things. My two hours a day, stress management and the emotional resolution to those typical emotions that come with the pain. So you don't have pain because of your emotions, but your pain is causing emotions. Mm -hmm. and, and you'll give them a pill. I'll give them another set of tools that will help them with anxiety and depression and with their physical pain. So our program, you know, we're here in the metro area of Kansas City, uh, but it's kind of interesting. There used to be several programs like mine in the country. With insurance regulations and with all of that, there's very few programs like this one anymore. Mayo still has their program. That's a shame. It's a shame. You would think that that would that there would be some sort of increase. There should be. We should be trying to drink out of a fire hydrant, mm -hmm. but we're struggling, struggling right? Struggling we're, to get patients. Yeah, yeah. And and this is hopeful. Help, hopefully, this will help. I hope so too. Um, so, how would somebody get in contact with you? They, they can contact us at the. We call it the Lemon Center. And I'm, and I'm kind of humble about that, but for chronic pain rehabilitation. I know, but it's the Lemon Center is so much more sticky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but the Lemon Center, and I, I don't know if you need phone numbers. I or, will put it all in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. I'll put, put it all in the show put notes. In the, put in the phone number. We're in Lenexa, Kansas. Are you guys starting to do some online things or do people have to be in the area? For the comprehensive program, yeah, we, we've pretty much got to get them into the program. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking into being able to do video. And actually, because of COVID, and we shut down way back in the early stages for a couple of months, and we couldn't do the program, but I stayed in touch with the phone. And I had to eat some crow. Because I used to think, no, 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 you can't do this work on the phone. Mm -hmm. You got to have this. And now personal is so much better. But I thought phone was a waste of time. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. We actually do. I do a fair amount of my work now because of COVID with phone consultations. Mm -hmm. We're looking into adding video to it. But HIPAA has got all their requirements and we got to. But we're going to be able to do some individual work with people with chronic pain. We can do a lot of this stress management training on the phone. 
so they don't have to drive in from Dodge City or Ames, Iowa. But we're actually getting people from a wider area because there's no other place. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, in, in the last 10 years, we've really finally broken through the insurance barrier because the insurance coverage, lack of insurance coverage, because insurance companies didn't know what to do with our program. We're dealing with a medical problem, but you're not a physician, Lemons. So you don't have any codes that get reimbursed. Okay, so you got to do psychological codes. There's no psychological codes that are going to give me two hours a day, five days a week for six weeks. So finally, we've gotten Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, United Healthcare to work with our program uh, with unique codes. And so we're a, I think they, they, to be able to find a rate of reimbursement that is reasonably consistent to make a living, but to help people, uh, we have contracts with those insurance companies that that cover the program. Nice. So we had to get out of the fee for service thing because the amount of service that it takes to get people out of that terrible place, it's got to be very comprehensive, very intensive. So yes, nice. So we finally broke through that insurance barrier. What we're still working through, actually the physician barrier. I believe it. I mean... Years ago, when we had our program in the hospital at research, one day at lunch in the cafeteria, one of the physicians, uh, we just happened to sit down at the same table for lunch, and he says, hey, Jim, how's your program going? I says, well, we're doing pretty good, but there's so much more pain than we're really getting the opportunity to work with. He said, "Ah, well, I'm glad you're here at the hospital, and so I think it's good. Thank you. I appreciate your support. And we munched on our sandwiches. And he said, you know, Jim, I wish you'd get a program to help people that have real pain. (laughs) What? (laughs) What do you think our program is? Right. You're a psychologist, Lemons. Yeah. So the assumption from physicians is the only ones I can help is if they are the psychosomatic disorders. That we that doesn't qualify. We won't work with psychosomatic patients. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a barrier even with so. And again, thanks for an opportunity because I mean I hope a lot of physicians listen and 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 figure out. No, we really work with the the real pain people. Mm-hmm. I, I you know so we ha- we have a we do have a lot of physicians that listen. I think we're having an increasing number of pain physicians that listen, which is great. We also have insurance companies that listen, which is good. Cool. And then we have a lot of patients that listen. Awesome. And and each of those groups, I think, are important for what you've said because I think when if a patient were to come in and ask for you know your type of services, it really opens that up. And and patients wouldn't know to ask for that. Most most of them don't. Uh, physicians almost feel sometimes like it's a it's a loss where they go, well, I don't know what else to do. Let's go here. And some of that's because patients aren't asking. Yeah. And they should. And this is what this is kind of what the, the basis of this was today was, and I hope to have you back and talk about some other things. Sure. But for today, I wanted to create kind of this less than an hour, 
you know, interview where we get to lay this out or you get to lay this out and it takes away, it demystifies it a little bit for all three of those groups. And then maybe we can have even a better discussion, you know, about this and even implications outside of Kansas City, you yeah. know, because I think that there is an awful lot of people that are going to find out that they don't have those services or people who are providing those services who have never, never been able to push forward, you know, the 50 years that it took you to move forward to <laughs> right, insurance right. company, right? And, you, now, and now you are giving away my age. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So this has been great. This yeah. has really been great. I really appreciate you coming out because, you know, I, I think that this elevation in, in pain, the understanding of, of all the resources we have, the physical exam, the just the just the breadth of of care that it takes to take uh, to take a person who is in pain and create a better life for them is something that we all should be striving for, and that really is the purpose of this of this podcast. So I I thank you again for coming out and and um, and yeah, just really appreciate it. Thank you because I am passionate about it, and I think this is one of the vehicles that can try to reach more people and break down those barriers. So, and I look forward to doing this again. Perfect. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate your download and taking the time to listen. Please go to whatever source you normally get your podcast from and subscribe. Also visit bodyguitar.com for show notes and to learn about our clinic. Living longer is not near as important as living better. These episodes are meant to advance the goal of living better. One of the best and hardest ways to achieve this goal is to pray for your enemies and forgive those that hurt you. Life is about relationships. Build them. Until next time, body guitar practitioners, performers, and tuners, get your body in tune. This is Dr. Sean Wheeler on Spine and Body Podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare studies, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their health providers for any such condition.